All right, let's talk about one of the best friends KDVS ever had, Ed Martin. In the last few months, I'd made several efforts to get Ed back on this program, and I was unaware of the fact that he was ill. When Franz Kossing, the former host on this radio station of It's About You, and a wonderful person in her own right, relayed the news that Ed was not well and how he could be reached, I, I put a call through to him in Grass Valley, and we had a wonderful chat. And as always, he was surprisingly cheerful. In this case, he had kind words to say about the medical attention he'd received, and I promised him we would come to visit soon. Because of some unavoidable chaos in my life, I put that date off till this week. And tragically, that turned out to be one week too late. But luckily, we have some previous chats with Ed that we will now air for you. I think that the bright guy that he was, and above all else, a gentleman, will come through in his voice. All right, we are back. As mentioned at the top of the program, we're going to get a little help from our friends. In this segment, and one of our best pals here, uh, my wingman, the last couple of pledge drives is uh, KDVS's own Ed Martin. And welcome back to Radio Parallax, Ed. Always a pleasure, Doug. And you know what? Get, let's do a little bio. I mean, I mentioned that, you know, you're a radio guy, you're a, you're a lawyer by trade, but uh, you've got an extensive radio history and you've been a teacher and stuff. Uh, give, give me the thumbnail sketch of your background. Oh, my gosh. Um, let's see, practice law for a long time, lived in Atlanta and Nevada City, where I currently live, um, had been a, a community radio guy here, forest ranger, fire lookout, city planner, I forget what all else, but, <laughs> you know, college radio is an old love and, and hard to stay out of it for long. Well, you and I were talking a little bit about an item some time back that would just, it's radio parallax fodder, and uh, and, and yet... It leaves my jaw dropping a bit to note that down in Georgia, a state you, you know very well, um, they apparently conduct their high school proms in a segregated fashion, which I thought kind of went out of style after Brown versus Board of Education. I mean, what, 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 what's the deal? Well, it has in most places. It took quite a while. You know, it was only 20 years after the Supreme Court in Brown versus Board of Education said segregated schooling was illegal. But, you know, down there, social events were held in country clubs. And when schools finally integrated 20 years after Brown, there were really not any attempt to to make it a, a process that would uh, be any easier for the kids because the parents had their backs up and the local communities were, you know, split along color lines and, and um, you know, essentially what was a public school function became a private school function. Wait, wait a minute. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not quite following this. What, what, how did this work in the schools? Well, they just closed the black schools. They were old. They were dilapidated. They were, they were underfunded. Okay. They were separate but equal. Okay. As, right, 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 right. Plessy versus and, Ferguson. And so right. they just... Right, right, in 1898, and so they just crammed the black kids in the white schools, and so they were intruders. Oh. And, and there was nothing done at the local level to make that any easier, and so it's, okay, we're canceling homecoming, okay, we're canceling prom, you know, and it became a private function. Uh, wow. And so, oh, yeah, and this is, this is all over the South for a number of years, but... I can see this in 62, but, I mean, <laughs> there's been a few decades that have rolled, on, rolled past since, and that's... I guess still in place. 
the county seat of Abbeville is down on the Okmulgee River and basically is not much of a town anymore, and everything got built in Rochelle essentially after World War II. When I went to school, off to school, many, many, many years ago, my classmates were the children of prosperous farmers in all these little county seats. And okay. that whole class has basically disappeared. And and what you've got are people that work at the prison, people that have various and sundry ways of getting by, uh, and some agricultural work, but agricultural supply, that kind of thing. But, you know, small-scale farming has essentially been wiped out in the southeast as almost everywhere else. How do you hold a community together when the, the economic base has gone away, depopulation, you know, yeah. kids move away, yeah. all that, and and so it's you you cling to your heritage. They call it their heritage down there. You know, like keeping the <laughs> Confederate flag right. on the state flag <laughs> yeah. of Georgia. <laughs> yeah, the Republican Party got in bed with the flaggers about ten, a dozen years ago. Keeping the uh, the Confederate flag as part of the the state flag. Right, and, yeah. and because Governor Roy Barnes, um, the last Democratic governor engineered a, a change in the flag that, that got the flag off of it because people were saying we're not having conventions in Atlanta because you've got the Confederate battle flag I remember that, on, yeah. the, on your state flag. Uh-huh. And so he, fina- a very sharp trial lawyer, finessed a, a compromise, drove the, the flaggers, as they came to be called, crazy. because And they said, we want the flag back. And, and so a, a veterinarian, uh, Sonny Dupree, who had been a Democrat and bailed for the Republicans, ran pandering to the flaggers. Once he got in, he didn't do anything for them. He just changed the flag to something that was innocuous and got their votes anyway. I mean, that had been going on, you know, since Goldwater. I mean, the South, you know, as as Lyndon Johnson said, went Republican when he signed the Voting Rights Act. You know, he said, we lost it for a generation, and they've, now they've lost it for, you know, yeah, nearly 50 years now. As we're talking, I'm pulling up the Georgia flag from the web and looking at it, and yeah, by they've got the historical Georgia flag, which pretty much is the stars and bars with a state motto next to it. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much the Confederate flag. It's very, it's a very charged situation. Subject, I mean, uh, you know, they they um, they cling to that stuff out in the country. I mean, I was I was raised in Macon, Georgia, one of the capitals of the Lost Cause. You know, the great Lost Cause of the Confederacy, <laughs> um, and and that stuff that stuff's still alive and well in places where you don't have a lot else to cling to. But anyway, in in 2010, finally every elected state office, statewide office, became Republican, and completely consolidated their grip on the state government. Yeah. And the, the, the part we're getting to, of course, is, is the kids at Wilcox County High School said, we want to have an integrated prom. And they did, uh, two weeks after the white prom. And half the student body showed up, and everybody was happy and, and had a good time. But it's still really controversial. You read the... the uh, you know, comments to the online articles, and and there are people saying, "Oh no, no, no! Everybody wants to keep to themselves." You know, <laughs> you need to understand. Wow! You know? And the governor and, and the governor stepped forward and said, "I think it's a private matter." 
Oh, yeah. They said, well, Governor, what do you think about this? And the governor said, well, these leftists uh, are just stalking, or, you know, stalking horses for the Democratic Party, and we're not going to say it's good if the, anybody that's connected to the Democratic Party says it's good. Now, the superintendent says, we're, you know, this has been dumb to have this all these years. We're going to see if we can have an integrated prom next year as a school matter. And the governor of Georgia, in his august wisdom, cannot support <laughs> that effort. Holy mackerel. It's just astounding. You know, essentially, they have a, an essentially racist, <laughs> an objectively racist political strategy, which is to destroy the urban centers and, well, yeah. you know, t- take over the ones they can um, and uh, essentially, you know, make it a one-party state. I remember a, bu- a bumper sticker 30 years ago said, why not a Baptist state? Um, wow! Here we're going to have a one-party Republican rule, and and, the, and you know. it's so weird. In the wake of the in the wake of the Reconstruction, the wake of the Civil War, uh, uh, the Republicans came in, gave blacks uh, uh, voting rights, put them in office in some instances, and when they cut a deal in the 1876 election to kind of let the South go back to the way they wanted to run things, that was the way it was, and and the Democratic Party really was the only party in, in almost all the Confederate states. And it's so weird that a generation later we've seen a complete flip to where it's the Republican Party that's basically the old Confederacy. Really quite bizarre. Barry Goldwater, you know, he voted against the Civil Rights Act. Sure he did, yeah. He, yeah. Had, he had Robert Bork and William Rehnquist, really well-known names in federal yes. judicial history, write his memos about how to say the Civil Rights Act was a bad thing and pretend it wasn't a racist decision. The people don't know and, that, but he, that he's got a oh very no. sordid past, or he had a very sordid past, yeah. Prom night in Mississippi, Charleston, Mississippi, just a few years ago, Morgan Freeman, who had gone to the high school, said, if y'all will have an integrated prom, I will pay for it. Yeah? 20 years after Brown, they finally integrate the schools. They, they, they close the black schools. The black kids are intruders in the white schools. They do nothing to, to lessen the tension. And, you know, this sort of thing continued for, for a number of years. But, I mean, it's, you know, this is 60 years later, and, and they still are, you know, suffering the, yeah. their intransigence. I mean, I keep saying if you pick a civil war and lose it, it's really bad <laughs> for your ability to yeah. you know, that never, get along. That never pans out. But... So, uh, Maybe some of our listeners may be surprised to realize that the governor before Jimmy Carter down in Georgia was a man named Lester Maddox, whose symbol was an axe handle. He used to uh, he used to threaten patrons in his restaurant with an axe handle at the at the threat of of integration. He was going to keep his restaurant segregated. He wielded an axe handle, and this apparently made him so popular they made him governor. We can go, we can talk at excruciating length about Luster Maddox, I'll tell you. I was around. That might be some comedy relief to some of our political discussions. <laughs> Hopefully comedy relief, looking back on it uh, many decades later. When they actually came and said, you know, go, uh, Mr. Maddox, at the time, you have to integrate your restaurant, he was out front waving a pistol. <laughs> it's right, it was right on the Tech Camp, Georgia Tech campus. Wow. And, uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, them was the days. But... You know, we have we have pretty fascinating stuff here, but it's sort of baroque down home, you know, and you do have to kind of shake your head and marvel. But, but you know, the the students and the community realized if they were going to do this, they were going to have to bring in the national media to look and say, "You guys are dopes," and and they did, and they, so it it happened. And I like to think we'll move forward now because, you know, kids 
like they say, we were in class together, we're friends, we're on Facebook together. You know, we we don't have any reason not to go to dance, and we can learn to dance to each other's music, you know. I should so, think. No, no. Well, there's, there's stories all over America, but the ones in the South that go back a ways. The bumper sticker used to say, forget hell. Forget we lost, hell no. <laughs> I want to put, have you put your lawyer's hat on and run this item past you, which Mr. McMillan supplied to me a few days ago, which is quite a barn burner. But uh, let me just read from it. A five-year-old Pennsylvania girl who told another girl she was going to shoot her with a pink toy gun that blows soapy buzz bubbles has been suspended from kindergarten. The family's hired an attorney to fight the punishment, which initially was 10 days, but reduced to two. Attorney Robin Fickler says Mount Carmel area school officials labeled the girl a terrorist threat for the bubble gun remark made on January 10th as the girls waited for a school bus. And I'm reminded of the little boy in kindergarten who kissed the little girl and was thrown out for sexual harassment. Exactly. You know, it's just, I, I mean... Have, we, have insane people taken over school administration? Oh, oh, they have. They have. You know, if if you've ever had a case before a county school board, you'll know there's no more sanctimonious crew than a, a local school board when they've got somebody else to point a finger at. Well, I've never had that experience. Have you? Oh, yeah. It's pretty crazy. Can I mean, you, you, you know, you have a lot of fair dismissal rights that are currently under attack, but... Uh -huh. You know, it's it's like, oh, you know, that, he said this, he did that. That's just wrong, you know. And it's like nothing anybody would say anything about. But, you know, you, you get to set yourself up as the guardian of public morality like you were some small-town district attorney, you know, and off you go. The Yeah, the bubble gun. I mean, your whole world consists of people shooting each other on TV and video games and everywhere else. And if you say anything along those lines, suddenly you're a, a five-year-old terrorist out yes. of school. And, you know, all you need is get suspended once and, and it goes on your permanent record. You remember, you're old enough for that. It'll go hmm. on your permanent record. Well, I guess I never got suspended. But never. Ne then again, I never talked about uh, a soap bubble gun. So I guess I was a okay. Soap bubble gun. It's just so amazing. <laughs> I mean, people bring a table knife to, to spread the peanut butter on their sandwich right. and they get sent home it's for just, zero tolerance. It's a zero, you know, I always think the zero tolerance policy should be renamed the zero brains policy. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Ed Martin, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much, Doug. All right, Ed, thanks. Thank you, sir. I gotta tell you, I'm not the only one that thought Ed was a great guy. Everyone thought Ed was a great guy. In fact, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna use names here, but I gotta, I'm gonna take what people had to say about him from our list serve and just share that with you. And I don't think anybody will mind my doing this. Said E, we'll just call him E. Even from my few brief encounters with Ed that I had during my time at KDVS, it was evident how much he gave to the station and the positive impact he had on those around him. My condolences to his family and friends. Said B. Ed was the first DJ that mentored me when I was new at KDVS. He was my first caller during my 4 a.m. slot, and I'm sure he was for others. And he continued to call in as I moved through the grid. His voice always had a smile in it. Ed was an invaluable resource to me when I came into the position of program director. He gave me guidance when I felt overcome in those first few weeks and put me at ease with his light-hearted rambling. Said Ed, very sad news indeed, but I'm comforted in knowing that we were all a source of great joy in his life, just as he is in many of ours. Said A, 
I will really miss him. He was often in attendance at the house shows in Davis, as well as the KDVS picnics. I had developed a friendship with him when I transcribed interviews he did for the program guide, and he would consistently call into my show and be encouraging and remind me that despite what we think, people are listening. Said R, I will miss Ed a lot. Ed was as genuine as they come and a whip-smart, kind soul to boot. Said R, this is very sad news indeed. Ed and I had many conversations on many different topics. He was interesting and interested. And I'm glad he got one last summer up in the hills in a lookout tower. We shall miss him and Cactus Corners. Said M, damn. Ed kicked ass. He could tell you about crazy politics, funny songs, and punk rock in Georgia in the early days. He'd made trips from Nevada City to Davis to be part of KDVS, Davis, and UCD Sports. He'd sometimes listen to our radio show and would call in on occasion. He was great to talk politics with. Rest in peace, Ed. And finally said R... This news saddens me deeply. Ed was a fantastic guy, a pragmatic optimist, and a wealth of information on so many topics. I looked forward to seeing him on Saturdays when Cactus Corners followed my program. His music was interesting, his attitude positive, and infectious. We've lost a true treasure. Like many of you, Ed was my first caller when I first came on the air, and knowing he was listening and supportive made a huge difference to a nervous newbie. This world will be a much better place if we all remember to be a little more like Ed. Boy, I think that says it all. All right, let's take a short break and come back and do what Ed Martin would want us to do. Try and produce some good radio. You're listening to Radio Parallax. 